0: suspect what mary was prepared to do for those she loved when the time came she would risk her life some might even say her soul one afternoon a shower of dirt interrupted my reverie it fell from the ceiling of mary's house where the roof had worn thin above my head palm fronds whistled like wind chimes in the breeze i could see them through the holes in the ceiling straw poked through the plaster I hadn't noticed. To restore such a ruin was my way of honoring Mary, but it was a strange ambition for a woman like me who did not know how to do housework. I, Joanna, wife of Chiusa, Herod Antipas's chief steward, was raised to be mistress of an estate. I had little experience with housecleaning or other manual labor. For Mary's sake, I learned— From the time I made my decision, I began to rise from my bed before the sun lit the upper rooms of my house. Pulling myself from beneath cool linen sheets, I prepared for a day of repair work on Mary's crumbling house. Loading storage baskets with jugs of wine, flasks of oil, perfume bottles, old jewelry, all items I could exchange for craftsmen's services, I left the marble gods and colonnades of my Roman-style city of Sepphoris for the barley fields of eastern Galilee. It was like traveling backward in time. Phineas, my driver, covered the three miles in a race against the sunrise. He had made far more perilous journeys for my sake during his long years in my service. Never once had he disappointed me. I therefore rested quietly as he jostled us toward Nazareth, past brown-faced ewes that stood in the road and stared, unaccustomed to carriages hurtling past. Not used, either, to seeing a woman like me, with clean, oval fingernails and pale skin that rarely was subjected to long hours in the sun. Closer to the town, field boys pelted my cab with rotten olives. Phineas growled like a wolf planning an attack, which kept them at their distance. His smooth eunuch's cheeks and shining head were set proudly on thick shoulders and massive arms. He was powerfully made and commanded respect. As we entered through the Nazareth town gate, the screech of iron hinges never failed to disturb Mary's neighbors. They stumbled from their two-room houses or shallow caves to see who had entered. Their mistrusting expressions asked what a rich woman was doing in their part of the province. I had no easy answer. Besides, the smell of sheep on their rough tunics stiffened my nose. I avoided conversation. It was on one such morning's drive that I decided to write about Mary. At first I thought that my own stormy existence had no place in her story. My failing health, the intrigues at Herod Antipas's court, and the resulting troubles in my marriage did not seem to reveal anything about Mary's ways. I soon realized that she had guided me through the most intimate events in my life, down to my current situation. There is nothing but to tell our stories as one. We were cousins. I only discovered it when I was a grown woman and went to see Mary for the first time. I needed her assistance. I was dying, and she had a son, a healer who cured desperate cases. I wanted her to arrange a private meeting for me. My illness had plagued me from childhood. Consumption was part of the Romans' legacy to the East. Caesar's armies carried it with them as they advanced, conquering everything in their path. My family considered my ailment to be part of the price Judea paid for progress. Stone-paved highways and international trade had made my relatives wealthy. Roman sympathizers from long before I was born— They did not consider the life of one daughter too exorbitant a tax on their fortune. I, however, was not prepared to die for commerce. After many attempts at a complete cure, including one unbearable summer at a health resort near the Dead Sea, my soggy insides refused to dry out. As my last hope, I turned to Mary. I was prepared to reward her handsomely. I HAVE ALWAYS BEEN A WOMAN OF MEANS. CHAPTER 1 AND LAYING HIS HANDS ON EACH ONE, HE HEALED THEM. LUKE CHAPTER 4, VERSE 38 CONSUMPTION FOUND ME, UNSUSPECTING, ON MY TWELFTH BIRTHDAY. That morning my father granted my wish and took me boating on the open sea despite the winter cold and my mother's protests. I was willful, even as a girl. I rushed toward my fate in a dart across the water. My father's dark reed boat cut through the chilled air as he pounded a mallet on a wooden block. The oarsmen strained to keep pace. I saw my father smiling and felt proud to be so much like him. The wind in my hair and the flutter inside me made me lurch from my place and run to chase the waves. Leaning out of the boat for a white cap, I lost my balance and fell overboard. It was a sea of melted snow. Two oarsmen dove to save me, and after a few minutes of reaching for oars, clinging to ropes that were hoisting us up, we were rescued. But my shivering started right away and would not stop. After I spent weeks in a dark room beneath blankets heated by warm stones, the doctor told my parents what I am sure they already knew. All of my father's money could not buy back my health. I survived and recovered for the most part, but in cold weather I rattled from the wet congestion that welled up inside me. If I grew agitated or afraid, it was almost impossible to breathe. For years afterward, my strength would come and go. The doctors prescribed sailing in the open air as a way to balance my humors and soothe me. This remedy helped to quiet my hacking on warm summer days, but the benefits never lasted long. Finally, after I was married, my illness threatened to defeat me. The only way I managed to keep up with my husband's pace was by resting for long months at our home in Seferis. His demanding life took us there several times each year, although Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee and my husband's superior, had moved the seat of his government from Sepphoris to Tiberias. Both cities were essential to the life of the province. Both had been rebuilt in the Roman style during Antipas's early years in power. He did it to please the Romans— He always imagined that if he ruled his small northern territory to their liking, one day they would place him in charge of far larger regions. Fortunately, Antipas preferred the new capital and my husband preferred the old, in part because it kept him away from court for a good part of the year. Tiberius was exciting to Antipas. Aside from my husband's sensible urge to avoid the Tetrarch as much as possible— he and I both favored Sepphoris for sentimental reasons. It is the city where I was raised, and where Kiusa and I first met. During one of our seasons at home, we planned an evening at the theater with Manan Kiusa's young colleague. I was glad to have my husband seen with the young captain of the guard. manan had grown up with the Tetrarch, although he was nearly half his age, and was favored at court. Lately, Antipas had asked my husband to teach Manayan about accounting and agriculture, essential for a young man's promotion. I wanted to make a good impression, and so commissioned a pottery vase as a memento of our evening to impress upon Manayan that my husband approved of him. On the morning of our engagement, I went to the garden to see that the glaze had fully dried in the sun. An unexpected coolness in the air sent a chill across my shoulders, and I began to cough. As my handkerchief became speckled with blood, I felt Kiyuza's hands lifting me up. "'Keep breathing,' he said. He behaved like a general at such times. "'Lift your head off your chest.' The rosebushes tilted sideways as Strabo, my chief gardener, and two house servants lifted me and carried me indoors." ''Don't call the doctor,'' I shouted at Kiusa. ''Please, just stay with me.'' He followed the servants to my rooms, and once I was settled on my couch, he sat near me. When I was able to breathe quietly, he lay down beside me. He always wanted to stay very close after one of my attacks. They were among the few things in life that could frighten him. I looked at his face, so near to mine. His hair, thick as a bear's coat, showed the first receding signs of age. His jaw had lost none of its square features. To feel his broad chest against me filled me with loneliness.